You're listening to the Best I've Ever Read podcast, the podcast where we discuss the best and not so best books we've ever read. We're your hosts, Liv and Kim. Hey everyone, we have a fun little surprise for you this week. We have a few extra copies of the book that we read this week from The Ashes by Jesse Thistle that we will be doing a little giveaway with. So please stay tuned to the end of the podcast and we'll give you some more details about how to enter for the giveaway. Hi, welcome back. Welcome back. (laughs) I was playing like our little intro in my head. Oh, (laughs) the music. (laughs) Ew, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go on. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. I was we were driving, we were away this weekend and we were driving home in the car and Taylor was like, Do you wanna listen to a podcast? And I was like, Yeah. And then I just turned ours on and he was like, No. <laughs> <laughs> not your podcast. Oh, not you. I don't want to listen to you. <laughs> no, well, he thanks does. for the play. He listens every week. He's a good good supportive partner. Um, yes mine does too and he's like I love he's like you know I don't know what books you're talking about and he says it as if like he would have read it behind my back any of the <laughs> I'm like yeah obviously you don't know but he's like the reason why I listen is because of the chats that's like, literally okay oh, the second like when we did like our part two of Sally Rooney and I was like making it <sighs> like we know you don't care what we do on the weekends and he was like I do that's my favorite part he was like, I love hearing about what you did because I'm usually in it. And then you talk about me. Oh, and then I was cute. I was talking to my best friend, Jamie, too. And she was like, yeah, I love when you just say, like, my friend. But I know it's me, but you don't name drop. <laughs> <That's so laughs> like, I know. Um, yeah, well, we appreciate the people who like the chat part. Well, everyone who listens, really. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I love the I love the chats. Me, too. Yeah. Because I try I keep like half asking you a question when we meet up and then I'm like mm, mm. <laughs> Never mind, I'll ask you I'll ask you now yeah ask me um, now Kim what are you gonna ask okay me? well uh <laughs> what did you do this week <laughs> or I haven't talked to you in a while I guess it's been like yeah it's been a, f- a, week, and a, half. a few, yeah, week and a half yeah. yeah so what did you do what have you done in this time <laughs> well I feel like I've done a lot um well, this weekend, I'll just talk about this weekend. We went to Toronto, which is about a three-hour drive from Kingston. And the six. We went to the six. <laughs> we went to the six. And it was fun. We went on Friday night. So we stayed with friends, like, both nights. The first night, we stayed with our friends, Lauren and Christian. Shout out, Lauren and Christian. Thank you for having us. <laughs> we went to um, a concert. We went to July Talk. And they were good. Like, I liked July Talk. I don't like them anymore. Oh, oh, oh. wait, what? It was that bad? Well, No, okay, this is the thing. They're good. Like, they are a good band. They make real, like, it was good music. It was really good live. Like, they were great performers. But they took themselves so seriously. Like, it was like they were doing god's work by performing (laughs) their songs 
And, like, they just took themselves very seriously. And, like, I don't know. It's just kind of, like, my favorite thing about bands. Okay, my favorite band is Wet Leg. I'm sure oh. everyone knows Wet Leg. They're my favorite band. Like, I'm obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. And they're new. They're a new band. And they are so embarrassed to be in a band. Like, when you watch interviews with them, I saw them live last year in Toronto. And it was, like, they were... The one, Hester, she has, like, the long blonde hair. She's not the lead singer. She plays the guitar and, like, does backup vocals. She hates to be there. Like, she literally at one point put a bucket hat on and covered her face up. Like, she was like, I don't want to be here. Don't perceive me. I am not. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this band. And, like, then they won, like, two Grammys. And in their Grammy interview, they were so awkward. Like, they were like, ah, why are we here? What's going on? And I love them for that reason. Um, wow. And so I talk was just like not like that. Like they were very cocky. Oh, I don't like yeah, that sucks. Yeah. And they I went on like- and on about like they did like multiple different monologues about like the climate change and like oh. being settlers on Canadian land, which is very important to mm-hmm. say. But the way they said it was just like really cheesy and felt very like not authentic. Like they were almost just saying it to say it. Like it it wasn't. I don't know. I didn't love it. It was weird. And then they, oh. yeah, they had a whole thing about, they just kept like doing these monologues about like social change, but then would like sing this weird song and like, it was weird. It was weird. Anyways. Not good stage presence. Well, they had good stage presence. They just were really annoying. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. So besides that, sorry if anyone likes July Talk. I just, <laughs> I'm turned off of them now. And then on Saturday night, it was uh, my friend Jamie's birthday. It's her birthday, like, on the 15th, but she has, like, she's from Toronto, so she had all her Toronto friends, had a little party, and I was like, oh, well, we'll be there that weekend anyways. So we went to her little, well, it wasn't little, There was it was a party, but we went to her birthday party, and it was really fun. We hung out with all her friends, and... We were, like, very much the awkward, like, not from Toronto people, just, like, with a bunch of people from Toronto. So, <laughs> yeah. Burn and then we came home yesterday. Oh, and that was our weekend. Yeah. Oh, I haven't been to Toronto in, like, so long. And I was only there for a day. I think I need to go and actually experience the six. The <laughs> six. Yeah, it's a fun city. I really like I really like visiting it. I don't know if I could ever live there. Um, it's yeah. just like it's really big and expensive. Very <laughs> expensive. It's so expensive. But it's also just like I never really realized that Calgary, even though it's a big city, it has very small town vibes. Like the mm-hmm. downtown isn't that big. And if you live in the suburbs, you just live in the suburbs. Um Yeah. It's not like a three hour commute. No, and it's like easy to get out of the city. Um, I just and I used to think like, oh, I was from a big city, and then I go when I go to Toronto now, I'm like, oh my god, this is a big city. Like this is yeah. And I just really like living like in Kingston. We can walk almost anywhere. Like the farthest I walk is like 30 minutes to get to like the other end of the city, basically. And everything's there. It's just really nice. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I would live in Toronto if, like, the opportunity, if there was, like, a reason for me to live in Toronto, but I wouldn't just move there. So, Also, sorry to anyone from Toronto. No offense. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> just personal. Opinion. I feel like a lot of, I don't know. I don't, 
well, maybe I don't know many people from that like actually live in Toronto, not for work, obviously, because we're from Alberta. But yeah, it's just it's such a big city and it's kind of scary. Like it's like New York, but it doesn't it's, it doesn't have the charm of New York. Yeah. You know, there are parts know. of it that do, but yeah, just yeah, it's very big. It is big. Very big. Um, I get claustrophobic there because I'm like, it's going to, it takes yeah. so long to get out. Yes. All oh, that. You're out I don't know what that city. highway is. Oh, oh my gosh. 401. It's just, it just takes a long time to get out of it. And that causes me stress. I don't know why. No, I hate, I hate traffic. Like I just want to go on one highway and have no traffic on it. Like anything like LA or anything. Oh, well, no. traffic. Everyone knows what traffic is. I hate that. Yeah, everyone knows what traffic is. <laughs> I think I think we don't have to explain that. <laughs> Anyways, despite yeah. that to say, it was a lovely weekend. It's really fun to visit Toronto mm-hmm. and to like vibe out, and especially being with friends there, like it's really nice because yes. you can visit and kind of get like the insider scoop on a new city, which is nice. But yeah. Yeah. Anyways, how have you been doing? Um, oh well, big life updates. Oh my god! Well. <laughs> So I don't, I didn't like outright say on the podcast that I was unemployed, but I was unemployed for a while. Actually, maybe like one of the first episodes I said I quit my job to move to Spain, which I did. I was working a nice, comfortable salary job in Canada and then came to Spain and I was like, I want to change because my job was really stressful. So then I came here thinking it would be really easy to get a job because my standards for getting employment here were really low. Um, I was literally like, I'll work anywhere because my Spanish isn't good. So I know that. And I was kind of just thinking of like a restaurant job, whatever, whatever, whatever. So I was looking for jobs for a while and I was getting a little discouraged. And then I got a random opportunity. Well, not random. I applied for the job. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like a very random, like, you know, when you like, I was looking for this job or not this job particular, but I was looking for jobs and I was looking on like an English job board for Spain and it was the one job that popped up in Seville and I was like wow that's random and it was for a publishing company like book publishing and I was like okay I'll just apply and I got the job it's amazing I didn't think I was going to uh but I did and so it's like for an academic textbook publishing company or academic book publishing company so we publish academic books um I started this week and I feel like I'm in school again because I'm reading journals or like manuscripts from people and I'm editing I feel like I'm proofreading people's paper I literally am proofreading stuff yeah I have to relearn like APA Chicago style like all these things and it's really fun though. Like I get to experience uh Spanish like office life, which is very fun. People like our company is a bit more westernized in that sense. We don't take like a siesta during the day, which most companies here do. Like I just work a nine to five, but it's really fun. I'm excited. And my commute is super long, so I get to read the whole time um yeah it's good so far but that was taking up a lot of my time because of course working um 40 hours a week is 40 hours of your week Mm -hmm. but this weekend 
we met up with the Canadians again. <laughs> yes, I saw on your Instagram. Yeah. Um, Beth and Chris, shout out. Beth told me she listened to the podcast. I was like, <gasps> oh, thank you, Beth. Thanks. Thank you. Um, they're they're big readers too. Like they used to work at Indigo. So um we I always talk about books with them. But we went to this little in the park event. Um there was like a festival here in Seville in the park. And we just had some beers and just chatted about our life here and stuff. It was really nice getting to know the place. There's like a lot of places like parks and stuff outside. And oh my God. Okay. Craziest thing happened. I saw celebrity. <laughs> oh my God. I almost okay, well, my tea. Yeah. Literally <laughs> made you <laughs> choke on your tea. Yes. Um, okay, so <clears throat> I don't know if I feel like I talked about this show. I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast, but there's this show I watched before I came to Spain called The Insiders, and it's on Netflix. It's a reality TV show, and it's like must be unethical because it's it's so good, but I'm like, this is so bad. So the premise of the show is they get people who are think they're auditioning to be on a reality tv show and they get them to like audition and like it's like a big brother type setting so they're put in these rooms and then they have to do challenges and those challenges are filmed apparently but they don't know that they're being filmed actually the whole time so they're in these like living situations and whatever making alliances and they're all getting filmed so i'm like that's not that's that, that's messed up. No, that doesn't seem ethical at all. No, but it's so good for reality <laughs> TV because it's yeah. like so crazy, so much stuff happens and so much drama and like these poor people. Um reality TV is like my it's my toxic trait. Like I <laughs> love that shit so much. But anyways, so me and Amard were walking in this park and there was like a random day club. Like we were walking around at like 6 p.m. There's like a day club open and I see this guy and I'm like why does this random guy look so familiar like he was like standing outside the club I was like okay that's really weird this guy looks very familiar and then yesterday when I was editing like another podcast episode I was like oh my gosh that guy's from the insiders oh my god yeah so like he's just here visiting like are they he's from Seville so like oh. when, so so everyone on this show is from Spain and Seville's pretty small and I feel like most people that go on reality tv shows are like from Madrid or Barcelona or like the bigger cities yeah so not many people on the show were from Seville so then when I looked up on Wikipedia I was like who's from Seville and then I found him and I was like yeah it was him and then I was like Amard Amard we saw someone from the insiders so our goal now is to go to that club and get a photo with him and tell him we're viewers from Canada. Oh my god. Yeah. So that was my weekend and week. <laughs> Just That's amazing. Having a, a lot of random shit happening to me. Kim, what are um, you reading? Oh, oh my god, we haven't talked about reads yet. No. Um, okay, so I'm reading a few books, and I think I'm still reading the same books that I was when we were talking last time because I threw in a random book. Um, but I just finished The Vanishing Half. Nice. By Britt Bennett for the second time. 
I read it for the first time in like 2021. And apparently in 2021, I was not paying attention, even though I rated it at five stars. <laughs> but this time when I read it, I was like, wow, it's so good. Yeah. Like, I feel like they could have like the author could have maybe expanded on the characters more but then I was thinking I'm like no I think it was perfect because there was a lot of characters in the book however it's not a deep dive Mm -hmm. into like one single character or like a few it's like a, a, a family saga yeah I also happen to be reading The Vanishing Half right now I wonder why we're both uh rereading The Vanishing Half that's weird but um yeah that's kind of weird uh I also have a friend reading it right now I don't know that's so weird that we're all reading it why are so many people reading this book I don't know so weird but I am listening to it this time instead because Mm -hmm. um I couldn't get a physical I had a physical copy I gave it to my brother so I don't have it with me and I am listening to it because I've been listening to the Harry Potter audiobooks on Libby Mm-hmm. And I could get like a skip alone seven day skip the line loan, so I did that. So I've been listening to it, and I just started it, so I don't really know yet. But I'm interested to see what it's like going to be like to listen to it, because it's mm-hmm. really going to be the first like real audiobook that I listen to. Like Harry Potter is a book, obviously that I'm listening to, but it's like such a production. The Harry yes. Potter audiobooks are like. I don't know. They feel different to me, so I don't it know. It feels well, like you're like listening to a play. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 So I'm interested to see what it's going to be like, but it's because I'm waiting for book five. I'm still waiting. Whoa, you're already on book five? I'm on book five. Oh yeah. my gosh. But I'm waiting for it. I'm still waiting for it. So I was like, well, I guess I'll do my research. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no, that was like me because I'm reading two other books right now. One's like a nonfiction and the other one's just like a super long fantasy book, The Priory of the Orange Tree. Mm-hmm. And What's that one, I don't, I always forget the title. It's one of those ones that are really long. Um, oh, the nonfiction I'm reading is The Black Friend on Being a Better White Person. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I think I was... It's actually such an easy read. I don't know why I haven't just finished it yet, but it's pretty good. It's very digestible, mm-hmm. but I think it's targeted to white people, as yeah. the title says. If you're white and you ha- haven't read any Black literature or nonfiction, maybe this is a good stepping stone. Or if you're not white, it's just a good book. Mm-hmm. Easy book. Yeah, it's always good to expand your reading on those types of things mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. yeah yeah cool yeah Liv what are you reading okay well I my March reading is not going well I have to say um too much partying <laughs> too much partying to be honest the past like three weekends like I mean I've been partying this weekend I was partying but like the past two weekends we just like went out um mm-hmm not like partying or anything but we're just out late on the weekends and not late like 11 p.m but that's late for me (laughs) and so I just haven't been picking up my books and it's it's almost making me not want to because I'm not like I need to get the momentum back do you know what I mean like I'm just in a slump Mm -hmm. and it's not because what I'm reading isn't good like I've just finished from the ashes the book we're talking about today um but I finished that last Monday and I'm only 40% done 
the next book that I'm reading. So yeah, I'm definitely in a reading slump. I'm also currently reading on my Kindle and I don't think I'm used to it. And so it's throwing me off a little bit. Um, nothing mm-hmm. wrong with reading on a Kindle. This is just the way that I could get this book. But yeah, anyways, I'm in a, I'm in a reading slump. I also am very busy right now. Like I have tons of stuff to do with school. And so between Mm -hmm. like trying to balance that and like, of course, going away for the weekend, like now I'm going to have to balance all the stuff I could have done on the weekend this week. Um, I started half marathon training last week. So now I have to like (gasps) dedicate like at least an hour every day to that. And yeah, I'm feeling overwhelmed and busy and I haven't been reading very much and it's, it's okay. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, it's okay. And I think, well, like, I feel like sometimes we make reading not a chore, but it's sometimes like we feel like we have to. I kind of feel the same way because I picked up this big book and I just can't take it around with me. It's just way too big. And then I'm like, oh, I feel like I haven't been reading as much. Yeah. I feel like I'm so behind on reading, but it's like, yeah, okay, how are how are we behind on reading? Like, no one's yeah. forcing us. It's just fun. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, there's like that satisfaction of finishing a book and getting to update your good dreams. I know. And like I last year I just made a yearly goal. And that was my yearly goal. And I figured that like some months I would read more and some months I would read less. But mm-hmm. this year I'm doing monthly goals. So I have my yearly goals, but then I also have monthly goals because I've done that in the past and I really, really liked it. And they're not just reading goals. I have like a bunch of different goals for the month. Um mm-hmm. But it's it's hard because I've never put reading goals in a monthly goal. So it's like I want to read five books this month, but that's almost hanging over my head in a way that it wouldn't Yeah. otherwise. And I know that eventually I'll pick it up. Like in the summer, I read like a book every few days. Like in the summer, I read way mm-hmm. more. Um, so I'm just trying to like be forgiving with myself, but it's hard to get into a book when I'm reading this at this pace that I am. Yes. So anyways. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. All that said, I am I am reading a NetGalley book. (gasps) Yes, my first my first NetGalley book. What is it? Which is why it's on my Kindle. Um, because they they send you can get them on your Kindle, Mm -hmm. and I like that better than like having to read it because otherwise you have to read it on your phone or on your computer. So. But yeah, the Kindle is like such a great thing that I could do. So I am reading The Secret Book of Flora Lee by Patty Callahan Henry. It is being published on May 2nd. So I do have a few months still, of course. Um, But this, I just really like this one looked really, really good. And it's kind of a fantasy fantasy novel no maybe it's not a fantasy but it it's about two sisters flora and hazel and it's set in two different time time periods it's set during the second world war and then after the second world war in the 1960s when hazel has grown up and the premise of the book is that flora is was like nine years younger than her sister and during the war they're from they're in London and then during the war they the kids all got sent out of London because it wasn't safe for children Mm. to be there so they moved into with a family in Oxford and they had this book they had this story that Hazel used to tell Flora whenever they were in like a situation that they uh, they needed to like escape from 
and it was called Whisperwood. And so Hazel would tell Flora this story about Whisperwood. Flora disappeared when she was like seven, six or seven. And they never, they found a body, but the family isn't certain that Flora is, it was the body. And so now fast forward to 1960, Hazel works in a bookshop for antique books and collections, collectibles. So she has like, she works with like very expensive, like first edition copies of books. And a book comes through the store that's called, that's basically the story of Whisperwood. But like no one would know this except for her sister. Like her mom didn't know this. Her family that she lived with in Oxford didn't know this story. Like no one knows this story except for Hazel and Flora. And there's no way that it's a coincidence. Like the title is the same. The way that she describes like there's like a river of stars. All of the... um characters in the story are like like hazel's like i wrote this story like (gasps) i wrote this story and then she found the author is this american woman in the states so it's amazing like it's really 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 good i'm really enjoying it i'm just being slow reading it but oh really okay that's like wow you got lucky for your like first net galley book i feel like net galley is such a (laughs) hit and miss sometimes i know so yeah it's wonderful and look out for it on May 2nd we'll look out for my review but that's what I'm reading right now and I'm hoping to finish it in the next few days I I only have four hours left I love the one thing I love about the Kindle is it tells you how like your reading pace I know (laughs) so I have four hours left so I think over the next few days I could definitely get it finished if I just prioritize like an hour every night to reading which is like should be in my normal schedule but anyways Mm -hmm. that's what I'm reading right now oh my god how fun I'm so happy you got NetGalley like that's one thing I want to do with the podcast or I think we should do Mm -hmm. with the podcast because then we can like talk about upcoming books so NetGalley like approve us for everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I got approved for six books wow Every, every book that I signed up for what really oh that's amazing yeah so I'm really looking for you have a podcast yes I, like I put it as like the thing I put us as I put myself as like journalist slash media and then of course my Instagram so I'll be putting them my reviews up on there too but yeah I got Dang. six books Ooh. the next one the the one that's the closest is April 18th publishing date so I'm gonna probably read that one next so that I can get my feedback up before the book is published and then a few of the other ones are in June so I still have lots of time for those nice yes I have yeah I have to do some net galley reading this month because I have a few that are like publishing in March and April and I want to be better about posting them on time mm-hmm. I have in the past let some go for like I have some that are I have I like downloaded never finished reading and it's been like um since 2021 so oh I have to get them from a library or actually buy them and then review them on <laughs> I think that's not the point of not Kelly. yeah yeah it's hard and now I feel like yeah very pressured to read like these books and I I didn't really think of that when I was 
I was just on there and I was like, oh, this book looks nice. I'm going to request I that. Know. And I know. And I was like, oh no, what do I do? Yeah. Now? Like, I always think like, oh, well, because when I first got NetGalley, like I wasn't getting approved for, I was, I was like, I'm going to get approved for Emily Henry. I'm going to get approved for like all these big people with like zero reviews. And I didn't, of course. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to request whatever. And then whatever I get, I'll just take. And then all yeah. of a sudden I got like 10 and I'm like, uh, oh, well, now I have to review these, but it is nice. Like, it's actually very cool how there's a platform around for people to review books ahead of time. And like, you could be people like us. Yeah. You have to be like a celebrity or I don't know, big time journalist. Yeah. Or some big thing. You'd be yeah. like a podcaster like us. Just, just a humble just, podcaster. Just a small neighborhood podcaster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways. That's what I'm reading. I'm going to read Just Kids by Patty Smith next. I know I said that like a few episodes ago, but then I read From the Ashes and now I'm reading that one. So that one is like, I, I have it next up because I really want to read it. And then I'll probably have to do um, that other NetGalley one. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we got some good books in the lineup. We do. We do. Ah. Excited. Yeah. So now we'll get into From the Ashes by Jesse Thistle. First, we'll do Kim will give us a little biography about Jesse Thistle. And mm-hmm. then we'll get into the synopsis. Yes. So Jesse Thistle was born in 1976. He is Metis Cree author and, and an assistant professor in the Department of Humanities at York University in Toronto. He is the author of the best-selling memoir, From the Ashes, the book that we are um, talking about today. And he actually also came out with a poetry book called Scars and Stars. So that one came out in 2022, I think in late 2022, and is supposed to be really good. Um, So he was born in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan in Canada, and I guess this does go into a bit of the memoir, but I guess before we talk about the book, um, he, him and his two brothers were removed from his home when they were kids and were brought up by his paternal grandparents. So he did um, later on in his life, in his teens and 20s, he struggled with addiction and homelessness and was in jail for a bit for some petty crimes and yeah so he's gone through a bit of a well I guess this is what his memoir is about he's gone through like a pretty tough life he has been really resilient and turned his life around he ended up getting a bachelor of liberal arts in professional studies with specialized honors in history from York University in 2015 and A lot of his studies were around um, Métis history in Canada. And then he completed a master's in history in Waterloo at the University of Waterloo in 2016. Also studied Métis history as well and intergenerational trauma. And then in 2016, he began to work on a PhD in the history department at York University. So I did leave a lot out because his whole memoir is about his life. So yeah, a little bit of a short um, bio for Jesse Thistle because he, well, I keep saying it, but his memoir is pretty much about his life and how he was able to 
overcome his addiction and a lot of trauma that he experienced. But yeah, he is doing really well right now, doing a lot of great research and writing within the Métis studies, Métis history. That is about Jesse. So I think before we, I guess, go into his memoir, we thought it would be really important to kind of discuss what Métis is. Well, I know we have a lot of listeners from around the world and a lot from Canada and the U.S. And it's pretty important to discuss the differences between like First Nations, Métis, Inuit. um, And we don't want to talk about indigeneity as being a monolith. Mm -hmm. It's very different, very big history. Yeah. going on there. So before we talk about Jesse Thistle's memoir, we thought it'd be important just to um, give a background of the history of Indigenous peoples on Turtle Island. So Turtle Island is the name that Indigenous people use to describe the land that we colonize, the land that Kim doesn't currently live on, but I do. Yeah. So that is Canada and the United States and Mexico, but they were they were colonized by different people. Uh, the people that I'm on the land yes. of that also colonized the Philippines. So I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great history. Long of conversation. History. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we can kind of describe Indigenous people legally in a couple different like categories and also um, their nation and who they belong to like ancestrally. Indigenous is the term we use for the first peoples of the land. So this is kind of like a universal term that we use globally for the first people that lived on the land. There are indigenous peoples to Australia, to New Zealand, to South America, to really any country that has been colonized. And we use that in terms of like the broad terms of people who live on Turtle Island who have been colonized. But then we can also talk about um, different nations. So where I live, it's the Anishinaabe Nation um, here in the Kingston and like lower southern Ontario region. It's a greater like Anishinaabe land. And then where we grew up, there's a lot of Cree people. And so that is where Jesse is from. He's from Saskatchewan. And so he is Plains Cree regionally, but he's also Métis. And so Métis is a specific group upon themselves where there's kind of this misunderstanding that Métis just means like you are white and indigenous, but Uh it's actually a very distinct group that... Like if we go like hundreds and hundreds of year, years back, there was white settlers who created a distinct community with indigenous people who lived on Turtle Island and mm-hmm. they lived together in a community and those are Métis people. And so they're distinct in that they have like, there's like, I think there's only like a few families that you could Mm -hmm. have your bloodline descended from. And a lot of them are linked to the Red River in Canada. But yeah, it's a very distinct group of people. And it doesn't just mean that you are half white, half indigenous. It's like a a distinct community. And so that is Jesse's ancestry. And his mom's side, the Morissettes, are a very big influence in especially Métis resistance back when they had to fight for their land. And so mm-hmm. Métis people are a distinct group, especially in Canada. And there are some groups who are First Nations and there are some groups who are also Inuit. And so in- Inuits are people who are Indigenous to the Arctic. So not necessarily just Canada, but also, I believe, over on like the Russian side of the Arctic, 
as well. Uh There there are indigenous people there. And as well in kind of Alaska, there are indigenous people there as well um, that are indigenous to the Arctic. So that is a very brief history, very brief, but just so that you understand some of the terms um, that we use talking when we're talking about this. Um, Another note I really want to talk about when we talk about this book um, is that we tend to give a lot of credence and a lot of like we listen to stories of indigenous resistance and we listen to the stories of people who have overcome Mm -hmm. especially in terms of like when we do talk about indigenous people on turtle island um there is a really high rate of drug and alcohol use and those are direct symptoms of colonization. And mm-hmm. I think we focus a lot on stories of overcoming that, which is super important. And it's really important to highlight Indigenous resistance and the fact that they're still living and we are still colonizing their lands. But it's also very important to recognize that like, just because like his story isn't worth telling because he overcame these things. His story yeah. is worth telling because... It's important to know how colonization has affected people. And so while the story is incredible and his his overcoming is incredible, I think that it's important to not give him a lot of credit, which I think he does very well in his writing of being yeah. like, I overcame this because of the people that I had and because of like situationally, he was just in situations where he was able to get help. But there are tons of people who don't get help and who don't overcome these things. And they are just as important as human beings. And I think he does a really good way, a really good job of highlighting that in this book. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, yeah, I just find that sometimes when we do listen to, when we do like highlight Indigenous stories or Indigenous books, especially memoirs, a lot of them are like the people who were able to overcome addiction. And we kind of ignore the people that aren't able to and it's not anyone's fault that they're not able to so yes. I just want to say that before we get no, into that was a really great point and very really really good description off the fly like thanks that was that was really good hmm. but yeah no I think it is important because Canada has a really very dark history that is only really being uncovered now in like I guess in news and pop culture even like I think the world is kind of starting to see what has happened with indigenous people but it's been a really long history and it's still going on like it's definitely not something that has stopped so I think this is a great book and of course it is someone who is very resilient but so many of these people exist and a lot of them do not have the resources or don't have access to resources like Jesse did So, yes, I think we want to highlight that because it's really important and really big part of Canada's, not even history, like Canada's now. And to what you're saying, like, this story was less about, like, being Indigenous than it was being homeless. And Mm -hmm. while it does, like, affect Indigenous people a lot more and homelessness does affect Indigenous people way more because of colonization, um, it's also about homelessness and like a lot of the people that he discusses in this group aren't indigenous um, or in this book sorry aren't indigenous and so it's kind of like a really good way of understanding how homelessness works I think that was really valuable as well is just the way that he talked about lots of different people um, some immigrant populations that he had become friends with in shelters and things like that so yeah it unpacks a lot of like homelessness is a really big problem in Canada 
Um, if you've ever lived downtown Canada or been downtown Canada, like any big city, it's an issue for many people living in Canada. Like it's just Canada is a really expensive country and I don't think the government really does a lot or knows what to do with what's happening. They don't really use the resources that Canada has to really help these people because it's a lot of things. It's it's drug addiction. We did want to also mention that we'll be mirroring the language that he Yeah, we'll be mirroring the language that he uses in the book. Of course, there's like different terms we could use, but I think we should just mirror what he was saying in the book. But homelessness and, and addiction is a really big issue right now in Canada and the government is just not really stepping in um, and it's just getting worse and mental health there's a lot of intersections that come in with that so yeah I feel like this memoir just really shows how dark and how like how bad it is for people who are living in like a country that people think so highly of I love being from Canada and I'm very proud of it but I am not proud of like so much stuff that happens and how people are treated because of these things and it's horrible okay i'll give a little bit of a summary we won't go into spoilers yet but i'll just give a brief summary of the book jesse was both of his parents had left him by the time i believe he was around five his so his mom left him and his dad left him afterwards just a few years afterwards and his mom left um because it was a horrible relationship for her to be in and with with his dad and she was not able to care for her three boys um and jesse is the youngest of three boys and his dad it has been missing since 1982 i believe mm-hmm. he's been in and out of prison he's been in and out of uh shelters and he has been kind of seen like quite a few times but is ultimately deemed missing and still currently is and his dad struggled with addiction and so did he and so he went and lived with his well him and his two brothers went and lived with his grandparents his dad's his dad's parents um in toronto in the i don't know if they lived in the gta or if, if they were in toronto uh, oh they were in brampton sorry mm-hmm. um in brampton he grew up in his grandparents home and it was a pretty stable place to live um his grandparents were um, definitely not wealthy and that was kind of an ongoing theme throughout. They also didn't expect to have to raise three young boys. So that is a thing to be someone's grandparents. And then, and of course they were will, willing to do it and they loved them, but it was definitely hard to raise three young boys. Mm-hmm. And so Jesse started drinking from a very early age. I think he was like seven or eight. One of his first experiences of being drunk yeah so the story just kind of follows him um when he gets into high school he discovers drugs and so he starts doing drugs at a very young age and it's really just because he doesn't know how to deal with his feelings and emotions and his being abandoned by his parents and only understand how that would like affect a person and so yeah he gets kicked out of his grandparents house when he's I believe he was 18. And from then on, he is homeless for at least a decade. And so he moves all throughout the country. Um, He moves with friends. He moves without friends. He eventually comes back to Brampton and tries to live with friends, is in and out of shelters. And he eventually, I mean, I wouldn't say this is a spoiler because we know that he's now a professor, but he does eventually get clean after a few attempts. And he 
meets his wife and she encourages him to go to school. So he goes to school. He did get his PhD. He also had won the Vanier Award, which is the, as an academic, that is like a dream to win a Vanier Award in your PhD. Like that is one of the big, it it is the most prestigious award you can win. Yeah. It's a scholarship and it's just like, it's the highest of highest awards you can win. So wow. okay. Um, he's obviously Amazing. brilliant. And yeah, so that's kind of his story. The story, like just a content warning for the story. If you've struggled with um, substance use or if you know family members that have, sub- that have struggled with it, there is mention of sexual assault in the book. I would say there's times when mental illness is, is definitely talked about, um, suicide and depression. He does not sugarcoat anything. In this book which i think is very important but just take care when you're reading the book like if you need to take breaks reading it and need to come back to it later it's okay to have to do that but yeah that's kind of a bio or a, just a brief summary you can see throughout the book him kind of getting pulled into his indigenous ancestry um his mm-hmm. memories of making bannock with his grandparents his maternal grandparents when he was little he would kind of think back on those things a lot so it is sprinkled throughout the book. Yeah, it's not like the whole thing, um, which I think is mm-hmm. important. But yeah, then he, of course, his his work in the academy eventually turns into Métis history. He takes Métis history of his mom's side, uh, a, a history that had never really been taken before. And that was his, I believe, his either his undergrad project or his master's project. I think it was his master's project. Yeah. And then I don't know what his PhD project was actually, but that's no. kind of how he reconnected to his indigenous and his indigeneity and his Métis side. So that's very cool. And this is something that I know just from reading other bios. There's a book called The City of Dirty Water. Oh, life the life in the city of dirty life water. Life in the city of dirty water, which is by Clayton Thomas Mueller. And mm-hmm. he's from Winnipeg. Um, well, he's he's his family is from a reserve in Manitoba, but he grew up in Winnipeg. And he also throughout his book, talked a lot about how getting connected back to your roots and especially for Indigenous peoples is like a huge, huge factor in healing from not only addiction, but also in just healing your soul. And we know how important it is to Indigenous peoples, especially to um, have a spiritual, there is like spiritual health is a part of health and Mm -hmm. that is very important for them. And so it was, I think, very important and cool to see how even when he was in the, the deepest, deepest like highs, he would feel a, a pull to his Indigenous side or he would hear kind of songs in his head, um, Indigenous songs mm-hmm. in his head um, when he was like beyond, like not on this planet, basically. Yeah. Like that's how high Super he would high. be. So I think that was very cool. And just the way that that was a way for him to heal. And I think it's really important that like when we do talk about homelessness and we talk about addiction and we talk about specifically the problems that are within the indigenous community that we put decolonization and anti-colonial work at the forefront because that is what needs to be done in order for people to heal i am like land back like everything we need to be if we're serious about helping people which i don't believe the canadian government is no um, i don't like i don't think they're serious about anything it's all very performative and there are huge repercussions for what it would actually look like to decolonize um, in terms of Canada as a country. And Canada is not ready to do that. And I don't know if they if we will see it in our lifetime. 
but that is where it needs to start. Just my little rant. I agree. I think a lot of even language that's used in government, well, just the Canadian government doesn't really take into account like Indigenous learning, Indigenous ways of thinking. Or when they do, it's performative and in a way that's kind of like, oh, we're going to integrate or we're going to like mesh these two things together, together, which cannot happen. It can't happen because you, you you can't like, first of all, I don't think politicians even take the time to do to truly do Indigenous studies and even learn about it. Liv is very, very knowledgeable about Indigenous <laughs> well, studies. Yeah, I wouldn't consider myself an expert, but um, it is something we do focus a lot on at school. Yes. Yeah, because it's kind of the root of like a lot of the problems. It is. So going into like this book, I think it was a really good opener especially if you don't know really much about Canadian history. Like there's so, so many books you can read, so much nonfiction. You could read so much fiction books that would give you like an account of what happens. But I think a lot of people are kind of scared to, there's just so much to unpack and that's understandable. And I think a lot of people feel guilt or I don't know, but I think it is really important, especially if you are part of North America and you're living in North America to know this stuff because it's affected so many people and we kind of just are so so many of us are benefiting from um, people suffering so just to be blunt that's pretty much what's happening in Canada Mm -hmm. this memoir is just great like it's written very I was saying earlier to live like it's not written it's not written very academically the language is very easy to read it's so weird like it's described as like a heartwarming and heartbreaking memoir which I kind of agree with because he writes about it with so much compassion to Mm -hmm. other people as well he doesn't just talk about himself being like I was going through all this hard stuff and then I overcame it like he talks about the people that were with him and the people that supported him through it and a lot of these people that are supporting him through it they're not these like heroes that come in that are like these great saviors that come in and whisk him out of this life like they're also in that the thick of it as well and they're also experiencing so many things that he's experiencing and it kind of just shows how important community is as well community within homelessness community within mental health community within addiction like these people don't have to be the hero tropes that I think a lot of books talk about like this person saved me because they were perfect like that's not how it always happens there's a lot of communities where everyone's kind of in the thick of it but they all lean on each other kind of help them get out of it eventually so it's just written very well in the sense of like there's so much compassion when he talks about everyone. Yes. I think, yeah, that's something about this book that I really noticed was that he both takes responsibility for all of the horrible things that he did while equally not blaming like his level of reflection and insight, I think had to have come from doing rehab and actually doing the work that he needed to do. Yeah. But the way that he speaks about his father. I found especially moving because you could like you absolutely could just say my father was shitty he didn't feed us this is the why that he's the reason that I am the way I am we can blame things on intergenerational trauma and it is to be blamed on that absolutely but he also does this this amazing job of being like 
I know what my father is going through. And like, I know that he, like he equally makes him take responsibility for it. And he equally sees him in like this very human way. And I think that's one of the parts of this book that was like very moving to me was that he both took all the responsibility, but he also like understood what was going on in a in a very special way. Like the part where he talks about, this isn't a, this isn't a spoiler. Like, I don't know. I don't think this is a spoiler, but at the end of the book, he's talking about these letters that he got that his grandma kept for him. And he was reading these letters and his dad had written him a bunch of letters. And there's this letter that his dad, he put, he put a picture of it in the book. And there's a letter that his dad wrote to him while his dad was in prison in 1981, which was a year before he, his dad officially went missing. And Jesse would have been four when his dad wrote this book or wrote, wrote this letter. And the letter made me like, I was bawling. Like I could not handle it because the, even the way that Jesse wrote about it was like, my dad was struggling. He was struggling the way, wow. same way that I struggled. And it's for all the same reasons. And especially being a man, like the way that masculinity has just ruined men and the way that uh-huh. they, they can't explain their feelings and their thoughts and like vulnerability is is so deeply like shameful as a man I think that's a huge other theme of the book yeah and the theme of like the fact that a lot of homelessness affects men a lot more than it does women in in some cases homeless women are homeless for different reasons than men are homeless for but yeah he just like he he writes this chapter about his dad's letter and it's just like I understand like I don't blame him for treating us like he yes it was horrible but I don't blame him like it's like this he does it in such an amazing balance Mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the biggest things of this book that really moved me was just his ability to be so transparent and to be so understanding but also like equally blame people but know that it wasn't their fault yes do you know what I mean yeah I hope that made sense no I I I got it I got what you meant but no it's true I think he doesn't like try and hold people accountable which is something that his dad was clearly going through so much stuff and I'm sure at the time when Jesse was going through homelessness and he was experiencing addiction he probably didn't feel this way like he probably like I'm sure it was after he did the work of like you know rehabilitating and doing a lot of I'm sure he did a lot of things to get Mm -hmm where he is now after writing this book but you can't always just like hold people like hold it over their heads if that makes sense some people can't get over it some people aren't resilient and you can't blame them for it because there's so many circumstances and yeah life circumstances things that have been put on like shame prejudice racism so much stuff that happens to people that are put in these situations and it's at not even at like a personal level it's at an institutional level too and I think that it's just a cycle yeah like after I read this book I just stepped back and I was like wow I feel like a lot of people could look from the inside or from the outside and say like how how could you forgive your dad or not even forgive but how could you even like talk about your dad or your mom or even have a relationship with your mom after what she did to you mm-hmm. like I could never do that but sometimes you just can't hold that hatred in your heart it's almost like he needed to do that he needed to be able to forgive his dad or I don't even know if he uses the word forgive but he needed to be able to be reflective on his dad that way in order for him to to recover 
And I think that's an important thing. Like while you were talking, I just was just reminded of like, I think one of the biggest parts of this book is it shows like so many limits to what we call social systems. Like the, the way that even the way that he, when he was in the hospital, yeah. That and we are supposed to have free healthcare in Canada and you are supposed to have access to healthcare um if you need it. And he went to the hospital for a really bad injury that he got, um, which like I won't get into the details, but he had a really horrible injury and it wasn't healing because he was homeless and he lived in a shelter and he came back to the hospital and he wasn't he was at the time addicted to drugs. And so he would take his like antibiotics, but then after like the second night, his antibiotics were stolen. Mm-hmm. He had this like contraption that he needed for his injury and that got stolen. And so he wasn't able, he got an infection in his, in his injury. He goes to the hospital and they're like, well, if you don't start taking care of yourself, like you're going to we're we can't treat you. Yeah. And to me, it's like, that is <laughs> what? Yeah. You should be giving that man a bed. He should have a bed until he's better. Like he should you yes. should, you know that he's going back out on the street. You know that you know that um homeless shelters are you have to leave between 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. or whatever. Like you can't stay in a shelter all day. You have to leave the shelter before you come back at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just like shows the limits of the system. The way that the system thinks that they know better than the person Who's going through it. it. I think that is a huge limit in the way that we treat all people, like any anyone who's going through anything, especially though when we talk about homelessness and and poverty, is like the person with the money actually knows what you need. And so Mm -hmm. there's kind of this like patriarchal and not patriarchal in like the male dominated sense, like that, also that, but the patriarchal yeah. like sense of like, I know better than you. And so I'm gonna tell you what you need to do yeah. is a huge limit in our social systems. So it speaks a lot to that and just how difficult it is. Like it's so hard. You can't access so many services unless you have an address. Yeah. Or a phone yeah. number. And if you don't have those you literally are just a lost person. I think that that is also spoken to a lot in this book. It's like there's these systems that are put into place to make it seem like things are happening, that people are being helped, which actually just completely backfires and long-term makes these problems even worse. Yeah. There's, I, I think a lot of people think a lot of social services are put in place and everyone's like, why don't homeless people just go to homeless shelters? Or why don't they just go use the food bank? These services have so many limits and mm-hmm. they don't, they can't do everything. Yeah. And they won't do everything. I really quite literally think the government doesn't know what to do and they don't really want to take the time to do something about it because I don't know. I think a lot of people think like, oh, well, they're just homeless people. Who cares? But they're people. Yeah. Or, you know, they're vulnerable people, but they're people. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I was going to say, I guess I'll put a, I'll put a spoiler alert here so we can say that this is our spoiler time. But there's a part in the book um, when Jesse is, this is after his injury that I was talking about, and he is so unable to heal his injury that his thought is, his big plan 
is to get arrested so that he can go to prison because he knows that if he goes to prison, they legally have to take care of him. Um, and then he can heal at least. Um, they like when you're in prison, you legally have to be medically taken care of. And so he like purposefully robs a place very badly, purposefully badly, so that he will get arrested and taken in. And this isn't a unique situation. Like this happens a lot. Um, that prison is a place that you're safe from the elements especially if we're talking about Canada like it's it's cold it's really fucking cold here yes and you're safe from like you're gonna get fed and especially if you have an injury you're gonna get your injury taken care of and so that was his plan and he went and did it and there's a part in the book there there's a a thing that's like they care more about criminals than they do about homeless people and a lot yeah. of the times homeless people are criminals because we paint we we make them be that way like mm-hmm. being homeless They're is criminals out of ne- out of survival really yes yeah like and in a lot of places being homeless is a crime like loitering is yes. a crime but if there are specific people that get actually arrested for loitering but yeah he goes to prison and then that's where he kind of starts to be able to heal because like you can get drugs in prison but i think he started to go through a little bit of rehab and then he also started to take high school courses and almost graduated high school and then he was two credits short of graduating high school and then he got released and then he was back on the street again and so he went back into his old ways of um, addiction and and living on the street and then he was like well I almost got my high school diploma but then I got released from prison and so like they care about me when I'm in prison which is hilarious because that's a whole other conversation we could have about prison yeah (laughs) yeah um, but yeah that was I think that was a very like chilling part for me was seeing that that was to have that happen and to see him be able to actually gain a lot from being in prison and the prison system was really interesting and then when he went back into prison this the next time he was like oh i can go do my high school diploma like it's so fucked up that that's what had to happen for him it's it's just yeah it's infuriating oh but also sorry now i'm to have so many thoughts but what you were saying about like food banks or shelters um there's a lot of shame in accessing those services as well Yes, And we put a lot of shame and it's not because it is shameful. It's because of the society that we live in. Like you should, you should be able to pay for your own things. And one of my like things that boggles my mind is that really rich people get free shit all the time. Yes. The The richer you are, the more free shit you get. The richer you are, everything you get, not only can you already pay for it, but you get a lot of free shit. Credit cards credit card points um insurance from getting a good job medical insurance from getting a good job um literally just investing money you just get more money if you have more money yes but when we talk about um accessing services like going to a food bank there's like a huge blanket of shame and so that's also just like a whole other people like oh well there are food banks also Food banks are a whole other like we could critique food banks forever but yeah. the system is broken and that's what I got from this book yes no yeah it's it's so true I feel like you can do a whole sociology degree <laughs> after yeah. reading this book you could do many um yeah like it go- it touches so many points of 
it just shows you how so many people get into the situation and it's not of course jesse's not everyone goes through jesse's story where like there's so many different things that could lead you down this road but it's really scary when you think of it because it could happen to really anyone like jesse obviously had a very turbulent childhood and like i think his case is very it's very sad from the beginning but it also can happen to people who are from not a situation like him like from a good home in quotes or stuff like that like this is something that can happen it's it's just sad that the government doesn't take responsibility once you kind of don't hit the criteria of like a normal citizen this isn't to say like the system doesn't help people Mm -hmm. i think that we're not saying that everything is shit and it's not helpful and so like i i just want to like make that distinction but it could be way better and there are very different ways that we could be doing things that actually would help so i don't want i don't want to seem like we're shitting on things but like it it's we can i think we can very easily critique these things um and it's because we want them to be better so yes now i'm glad that this is being talked about more in mainstream media even representation Mm -hmm. even like book publishers publishing books that aren't just about white people that is already a good start at least but definitely needs to be more of course and that's like a different story but yeah yeah this book this book is great I think everyone should read it it's just a great story um and now like I think this book has been out in Canada as of like it was out in 2019 yes in 2019 and then I think it came out in the U.S. in 2021 oh okay yeah because I received speaking of NetGalley like an hour ago (laughs) oh yeah I received this as a NetGalley arc but I remember it was already out in Canada it's good that it's like being published outside of Canada so yeah, yeah the states to... the states have just as many indigenous people and they yeah. do a significantly worse job <laughs> oh yeah I um, think yeah Canada other conversation but is doing some stuff we're doing but... the bare minimum and the states is doing nothing yeah like yeah no that's a different story and it's funny because, well, this isn't funny, but those borders, the United States and Canada were created during colonization. So a lot of these peoples have a very similar history and they were in the same clans and the same groups. However, now are separated by a border that was made by settlers. So a lot of history going on. But yeah, read diverse authors I we didn't do this because we just got right into it, but this book I don't think that uh, this needs to be said. But this book got a four point five on Goodreads, mm-hmm. and we both gave it a five. So yeah, and um, I th- I wouldn't even say it's like a I say five through and through because it was like yeah such a great story, well written, and Important. I do want to read his poetry book actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, sorry for that. It was definitely a heavier episode, but I think very important to talk about. I don't know about Kim, but I am 
very open to being political and uh, being open about my views because mm-hmm. I think it's important. Yeah. And it's where my work lies. And just like as a human being, it's very hard for me to not talk about it. So please email us with any conversations you want to have about this. Um, I think another just thing I want to say is like, if you haven't started to read about like social justice things, I highly recommend it, first of all, just because I think that as human beings, we're, we are responsible for the other human beings that live on this planet, no matter if you asked for it or not. But I also just think like, just keep your mind open when you're reading things. There are like infinite things to learn in the world and it's okay to have your mind changed about things or it's okay to change your yeah. perspective on things. I am someone who is very steadfast in their opinions and that's something I've really been working on, especially since coming to grad school is just like learning new things and realizing that I might have been wrong in the past. And there is no shame in being wrong about things and having your opinions changed. Final thoughts. Yes. No, I think that's very important what you just said, because even though I study sociology and I did a lot of learning about different groups, um, different spaces, institutions, whatnot, things are constantly changing. There's things I'm learning now that were, I guess, looked upon one way when I was studying it a few years ago, and now it's completely different. So there's always room for change and there's things that are constantly changing and more things that are being talked about. So I just think that it's really important to always just, yeah, be open keep an open mind don't be scared to, this is the biggest thing for me. Don't be scared to talk to people outside of your circle. I think there's so much you can read. There's so much you can study, but if you don't hear the stories from people firsthand, if you don't try and listen to your peers or people around you from a different background than you, it's hard to wrap your head around these things. So yeah, don't, don't be scared of other people from other groups. That's one thing. Cause I find that there's a lot of people that do the reading, but they don't accept people from. Yeah. Yeah. Like use, use real life, <laughs> use real life things too. We're all human. And also be compassionate towards people like smile at <laughs> someone on the street. Uh, maybe don't be too creepy, but <laughs> of course be safe. But it's not the worst thing to just be compassionate towards others and yeah. Be nicer to everyone. That's another thing, too. Be nice. Be nice. I will end our our episode. (laughs) I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's the bottom line. Be nice. Yeah. Love everyone. Um, But yeah, that's my final thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks again. You know where to find us. Okay, everyone. Well, thanks for listening to our episode of From the Ashes. As said in the beginning, we do have a giveaway and we are giving away four copies of From the Ashes by Jesse Thistle. It's open to all residents of Canada and the U.S., so please enter if you're interested in a copy of this book. We'll have the official rules on our Instagram as well, but I'll just recap them here for you all. So we'll have a reel that you can enter on our Instagram. We want you to tag two friends in the comments. You must be following our Instagram account as well. And then share 
to your story, the reel, and make sure to tag us so that we can see your entry. For a bonus entry, we want you to DM us either the name of Liv's dog or where I'm living in Spain, what city. So yeah, those are the rules. Um, This isn't affiliated with Instagram or any platform at all. This is giveaway only linked to us. Out of the goodness of our own hearts. We really love this book and we want more people to be reading it. Please enter our giveaway and stay tuned for more giveaways to come, hopefully in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Best I've Ever Read podcast with Kim and Liv. You can find us on Instagram at bestreadpodcast. Email us at bestreadpodcast at gmail.com. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bestreadpodcast. We would love your support. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week.